0: Welcome to the Concordia Publishing House podcast, where we consider everything in the light of Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm your host, Elizabeth Pittman. On this episode, Heidi Gaiman joins us for part two of our three part series on emotions in the gospel. Today, we're going to dive into misconceptions or partial truths that can be found around emotions. But before we jump into our conversation with Heidi, I'd like to thank our friends at the LCMS Foundation for their support of the podcast. Imagine a world where your God-given gifts are able to benefit your family and faith after you are called home to heaven. The LCMS Foundation can help you create a gift plan so that your assets, things like your retirement accounts, home or land, will be able to leave a lasting impact on the people you love and the ministries you care about the most. Visit LCMSFoundation.org to learn more about creating your gift plan. Now onto our conversation with Heidi. Heidi,
1: it's good to see you again. Hi, thanks for having me back.
0: Well, we're glad to have you back for part two of our three-part mini-series on different pieces of emotions. Today we're going to dive into misconceptions and half-truths about emotions.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I originally named this section of the book Myths of Emotions, but that felt like a little bit of an overstatement because all of these things do have a kernel of truth in them. Um, and I think we have to recognize that a lot about, especially anything we pick up that's cultural or from, you know, even other uh, doctrines and denominations and things like that. We have to understand that there's something that drives us to want to pick it up. And usually it is that there's something in it that's a mostly or a little bit true, um, but it gets distorted. And so in the book, we call it partial truth, um, something that was meant to help us in some way that got twisted a little to the left in a not helpful way or a little to the right in a not helpful way. And that
0: can definitely send us down a path that isn't healthy for us if we lean into those partial truths too much. Tell us, what what are some of these common misconceptions or partial truths? Jump in with one for us.
1: Sure. Well, the first one I'll give you is, I think, probably debated as a partial truth. But I think, especially biblically, when we get that firm emotional foundation through God's word, as well as the research, uh, it's positive and negative emotions that there are emotions that are good for us and uh, maybe godly even. And then there's emotions that are negative or that are even sinful. Uh, And so there's, you know, that spectrum of belief within that thing. Um, And I would propose that while there are emotions that we experience as challenging, that um, can easily put us in a place that's uh, maybe not turned toward God, then But to take it too far and say that those are negative, I think removes the purpose that God has put into emotions as a fuller experience in life. Um, And so I like to use the words uh, comfortable and uncomfortable or challenging um, and enjoyable, pleasant, if you will, because really it's about how we experience the emotion internally, um, as well as looking at a more objective view Um, in God's experience of those emotions. And it's really wild to me. Some of these emotions that we, uh, I think, would culturally label or even churchly, if you will, label as negative emotions, like um, especially jealousy um, and sadness or uh, even anxiety, which um, is a little bit of a stretch, but at the same time, those things are things that we see experienced by at least Jesus Christ as man during his time on earth in his humanity while maintaining his divinity and um, you know, I think sadness, okay, yeah, we can get around that. We can see Jesus wept. Like, we're not going to ignore that, right? Um, People have a little harder time with anxiety, and I think it's partly because of our construct of it and the way we understand it currently. Um, And we talk about the concept of, like, distress in the book because that's an important component and maybe an easier pill to swallow, if you will, of Jesus's experience as a human on earth. Um, but when he is in the Garden of Eden, The the biblical Greek is really helpful to study in that. And you can dive into that in the book of Jesus's experience of some of the emotions that are a little more uncomfortable with us or um, even God, the father himself. Then is it is a jealous God, it says. Right. He um, and there's so much desire of God in that, Um, but God experienced them perfectly, and we we don't. Um, And so that helps us then to begin to unpack. I think the fact that God is emotional, which you can check out our first podcast to get a little bit more into that, then we can experience those in connection with him and sorting through his restoration of them in us through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and his holding them with us and being able to wrestle with them with us. Um, So positive and negative emotions is one of the partial truths, if you will, that I start with. Um, And I think it's the most kind of complicated, like I said, and hotly debated one, even in the scientific community right now, like whether that's good terminology or not or helpful. Well, when, when we label something
0: as positive or negative, we're automatically, and you touched on this, putting some judgment on it and we're making a decision and we might be projecting someone else's emotions like, oh, they're feeling, they're feeling, you know, distressed and they really shouldn't be and that's negative. But what happens when we are step back and are able to remove judgment mm-hmm. from how we are looking at these emotions?
1: Mm -hmm. I think that is a little bit reparative, if you will, of our attachment with God, because he, uh, in Jesus Christ, looks at us with, with no judgment and with no shame. Like that has already been put on Christ. So we experience something very different. Like our judgment is paid for. It is, you know, all of that good grace alone stuff that we believe in. And so... I think that that connects us more fully because we're more comfortable in bringing it to God. We're more comfortable in the way he sees us. We don't see him as the finger pointing God. We see him as the God who is receiving us in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Um, And that attachment feels so secure and safe for us then. Um, And then we can move forward in learning about our emotions, learning about ourselves um, and get more of a clear picture um, and in uh, IFS therapy or internal family systems therapy, which is one of the methods that I utilize in my own office, uh, there's these eight C's of self, compassion, creativity, but one of them is clarity. And I think that um, we see that even in in the Christian walk, right? Discernment is such a part of who we are. And we can do that better when we see that God is not standing over us in judgment because of Christ.
0: What's another partial truth or misconception that we run into when we're talking about emotions?
1: Let's jump to one of my favorites, which is the myth of too emotional. Um, And this one is, I think, one of the stronger ones that makes me want to label it myth. Um, Now, again, partial truth, Is is there a way or some ways in our life where we can bring Like too much emotion into a room? Or can we turn the discussion too much with our emotions instead of pairing them with our logic and reason and like objective sense, if you will, and with the word of God? Yes. However, (laughs) and I like to think like, people like Augustine for this and some of even like the reformers as they worked through um, some of the uh, concepts of Augustine and utilized them so much that we got stuck in this idea of like the Greek culture that is stoicism that is like reason and logic above all else and and so we try to reconnect some of those things in the book and and people can read about that or go to our first podcast even we talk about that but two emotional harms and I would say It especially harms women, like I really do believe that, um, because uh, I've even heard in churches and I give the example as a story in the book where they won't allow women in certain spaces or places to have a voice because they're concerned that they'll bring too many emotions into the mix. Um, and, And some of these things are supposed to be a business meeting or whatever. Okay, that's very challenging for me personally. Um, but I also not sure that those are the reasons that we should uh, be limiting people's access to certain areas of the church. We want to be solidly in the word of God for those things instead. Um, and then also, I do think it harms men. And I don't want to be too quick to jump to that. But I think sometimes to be heard about this particular one, I do need to help people understand the fullness of the this myth or partial truth. And that is, I mean, that because uh, there's too much emotion, that we are looking at some places where uh, men are not allowed emotion, like they're not allowed to express themselves and be sad or be joyful or whatever. Um, And I think that's a huge disservice to everyone around us, um, that we aren't able, I mean, we have all this stored up inside of us then, and it's really detrimental for our relationships, but at the very basic core, that that's. God made us to be more, you know, he, he made us to be fuller people. Well, and the Bible shows both men
0: and women with this whole range of emotions where they're leaning into it. And you give some examples of that um, in the book, Mm -hmm. but there's, we shouldn't be ashamed to lean into emotions when they come up. And it is a balance, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of knowing, your situation Mm -hmm. and, and, and keeping that in in balance. But, you know, who's to say that's another judgment too, is that who's to say someone is too emotional or detrimental.
1: Right. Right. When you put that word too on it, right. Yeah. Um, And, you know, again, with the word discernment, there's just so much of that. Um, In dialectical behavior therapy, we have a concept called wise mind, which is emotion mind and reason mind, and that we hold them together. And that creates this concept of wisdom. Um, And I think Created for Connection, right, is the subtitle of the book, when we're able to hold Holy Spirit alongside my individual ideas, opinions, thoughts, um, raging emotions, whatever, together, then we're looking at, you know, wisdom. Um, I think wisdom is a fuller sense than only like God separated from me, detached from me. Again, He wants to be connected to those things inside of me alongside His Word. Talk to us about regulation. Oh, oh, that's a good one. So, so I keep <laughs> saying this over and over again. And I think the simplest way to say it is that I think God's face turn toward my emotion is always restoration focused not regulation focused and i think you could apply that in so many ways even outside of emotion that god is restoration focused at this point especially right jesus christ has come he's died and risen we are we are face forward to the restoration um and he is restoring things each day then in the spirit in me we. Instead, when we over-apply the concept of regulating, that God wants us to be regulated, don't get me wrong, partial truth, there is a place for regulating and for co-regulating and getting to that place where we have some balance. But when we think that that's God's goal, then we have a manager, not a savior. And I think that that really distorts the way we interact with God, that judgment, right, that we perceive coming from God on our emotions. And then I have a harder time getting to forgiveness, too, or the experience of forgiveness, because I don't turn toward God because I think he's managing me. Or if my spouse or my friend, if I think they want to manage me in regulating instead of restoring um, and bringing me to a place where it's like I you know, lost my stuff. And I got really angry. And I said some words that, yeah, do we want to like learn some discernment in that? Yes. But on the back end, I also want to be able to do that, be a mess, and let the love and forgiveness of Christ and mercy be a part of my life. And God created the world, knowing it would do all that it did and fall into sin and thought it was worth it anyway. So maybe I can live in that in my life too, with my emotions
0: what happens when we try to control our emotions
1: <laughs> so you know I started with this in finding hope um, for brokenness to restoration because it's such a part of the brokenness of the world is that we as Adam and Eve hid from God right they turtle in if you will and then they blamed so they exploded we we are similar. I mean, it's just this is humanity. The Bible is descriptive, right? Um, not always prescriptive. And so we have the similar experience each day. We stuff our emotions down. We try to like they—they they have to go somewhere. They—they they can't store up, right, in our stomach. Sometimes they store up there, or they store up in our muscles or our joints, even, or or our brain and all the thoughts, and um, or we explode out with them so often. Um, And so we want to get to a place where instead we talk about a lot in the book, different ways to have movement of our emotions or what the the key term is processing, that they just They need to be processed in our lives um, and that God is a place for that, that he welcomes us to process them with him. Um, And then our relationships are also a place to process. And then there's spaces for, you know, our internal selves and the way our God has created our uh, like neurochemistry and our nervous systems and all of that to process as well. And so processing is the goal, a little less regulating. Well, and I think if if
0: a person is, looking at emotions from a standpoint back to the these are negative emotions and i really i'm really uncomfortable and in looking at these emotions as they affect me it could be really hard to want to take that leap to like get in and wrestle with with them in order to process what what encouragement would you have for someone who's who's wrestling with you know really wanting to put their head in the sand and not deal with some of the messier emotions.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. First, I understand. I mean, that's why I want to practice therapy. Um, Also, why I became a deaconess is because I want to sit with people and help them just be a safe space for them to walk through those things. You know, and I think there's a lot of us, not just therapists um, in the Christian church on earth. Uh, I think it's, it's hard because it can feel kind of unaccessible at times, but know that there's people around you who want to be safe spaces for that. Um, and when we lean into finding our people, those are good places for that. Uh, we don't have to do that with everyone. Right. We don't have to like be so vulnerable and share our emotions with the world um, or with everyone in front of us uh, in every space. Then the other thing I would say about that is in the book. We have four different uh, ways, different opportunities, if you will, that God has given us or what I would say knit into us for processing emotions. There's probably more, but these are the four I saw the most expansive in in the Bible as like, again, that that description of humanity across time and space and also coming before God. Um, And then those ways are not all thinking or talking. And I think that's really important. I think we get kind of trapped into those two and think we have to think about it. And that feels really intimidating and stressful and um, all of that. But then also talking about it can be even more intimidating. So there's a lot of ways that include movement. And I would just really turn uh, the listener to the book to to sort through some of those, because the Bible is really expressive about these different ways. And there's a lot of opportunity there. Well, you've just set up the perfect teaser for our next
0: episode where we will go into those four different ways of processing. So listeners stay tuned for the next episode coming up, um, here in about a week, and then you'll be able to dive into those different ways of processing. Heidi, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. We'll see you next time. Listeners, we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Concordia Publishing House podcast. I pray that this time was valuable to your walk with Christ. We'd love to connect with listeners on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Concordia Pub. Visit cph.org for more resources to grow deeper in the gospel.